Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Why not come home? Have you ever wondered that? Why do people away from God not simply return home? All of this week on Daily Devotion, we will be looking at that subject. Before we can answer the question, why not come home? I think we have to ask and answer, why do people step away? Most people don't leave God in a moment. No, it's a drifting of sorts. Was it casting crowns years back that had a song, A Slow Fade? It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. A slow fade when black and white have turned to gray. A slow fade. Collapse in the Christian life, says Paul Little, is seldom a blowout. It's usually a slow leak. Whether it's a slow leak or a slow fade, there is a gradual departure from God. Warren Wearsby said it like this, Most Christians do not jump into sin and get away from God's will. They gradually decline spiritually, then find themselves in trouble and wonder, how did this happen? It's the gradual decline. Years ago, we covered our sanctuary with yellow ribbons, huge yellow bouquets, graced our platform, the railings, the balconies, It was a sign, it was an effort on our part to clearly indicate the message, you can come home, you can return, everything is well, everything is right. In Hosea, God promised to heal people's backsliding, that the trouble they're experiencing can become a doorway of hope, and that the glow can return to their life. It became the stuff of legend in America in a book about prison reform written a half century ago. The story was first found in print, true story, of a former prisoner on a train. Asked by a fellow passenger where he was headed, he said, home, I'm going home. When asked if he had been away along, the story unfolded that the man had served time in a prison out of state His folks lived afar and were of limited means. They never visited him in prison. They were illiterate, so no letters were exchanged. Prior to his release, he sent word back to his community that he was coming home. And if they would let his family know that he was coming home, if it wasn't too much of an embarrassment for them to do something unique and extraordinary, You see, their home place was close to the train tracks, and near the train tracks was a large tree. His instructions to the family relayed through an intermediary was, if you want me to come home, if I am welcome, well, you know the story, don't you? That a yellow ribbon would be tied in the tree. The man couldn't bear to look, but he needn't worry. The tree was festooned with yellow ribbons. Why not come home? I think that's the question the times we're living in. It's now asking. 
You remember the story found in the Gospel of Luke. It's the story of a father with two sons. The younger son was lost in a distant country. The older son was lost at home. And of the two, the easiest journey is one that comes the farthest. Self-righteousness is a much farther distance from God than unrighteousness. God only knows the proud from afar off, and that's exactly where he keeps them. But back to you and back to me and back to where we are today. If we are a long way from home, this is a subject that should resonate with you. You can sense it. So can I. Our world has been disrupted, and it's affected me, and it's affected you. The story of the youngest son, the prodigal son, is a story of a divine reckoning of sorts. He leaves home basically wishing his father dead. With his inheritance in his pockets, he aimed to prove himself in the world. What his so-called friends didn't take from him, his lifestyle did. And soon he was left penniless, friendless. Why not go home? Something left to do, maybe? Hopes of a turnaround, perhaps? Maybe something left to prove to himself and to others. Maybe pride. Maybe a memory of the elder brother's face back home kept him there. Jesus said when he had spent everything, well, then things went from bad to worse. A famine came to that whole countryside. You and I may not feel that we've spent everything. We may not feel that we're hurting at all. But one thing is for sure, there is a famine in the land. And we can all sense it. You can feel it, can't you? The feeling that something isn't right in our world. Something has gone horribly wrong. God put enough grace inside of everyone. People put enough knowledge inside of each of us. There are traces and memories of experiences with God and lessons learned. All of them are still in us. Even those who are far away from God, they can sense it. There is a famine in the land. God did not bring the troubles upon this world. He did not create the negative headlines. He's not the one that causes the crashes to take place, the hurricanes, the tornadoes, the fires, the flood. All of this is a result of the original fall passed from generation to generation. But we can sense that God is working something good from all of it. That is his nature. He works all things together for the good to them who are called according to his purpose. In this world, as we see the unraveling of sorts, things going from bad to worse, chaos knocking on every door, epidemics of fear and stress and duress beyond control, we see that God can work something good. It was during the famine the prodigal son found employment with the pig farmer he was so hungry that the pig's food looked pretty good to him. It was famine. Jesus said no one gave him anything. You know the feeling when the whole world comes crashing in on you. At famine, no one gives you anything. Help only comes with strings attached. Maybe that's why someone believes they can't come home. 
too many strings attached, too many ties, too many connections. They can't get away because they can't pull away. I get that. I can think in classic literature about Gulliver when he was trapped on the island of Lilliput. You remember the tiny threads that held him down. He could snap one thread with just a snap of his fingers, but the many, many threads held him back. Or 200 years ago, when Lord Byron was sailing on Lake Geneva, they stopped to visit a chateau, and while touring the castle, they saw the dungeon where a certain monk had been imprisoned centuries before. From that, Byron wrote the poem describing that prisoner of Chilon. He had been in chains so long that when offered freedom, he wouldn't take it. He couldn't imagine his life free of confinements and chains. It's real, isn't it? The connections, the ties, the bonds that hold people back. But here was the prodigal, penniless, friendless, struck by famine, reduced to feeding pigs, and envying their food. Finally, all of this brought the young son to a decision. I'm going to go home. He didn't think he would be welcome back as a son, so he set his expectations lower. He would go back as a servant. He must have reasoned, My dad treats the servants better than I'm being treated here. Surely there is room for me as a servant. What the young man did not know was that the father would never have had such intentions. Rather than punishment, lectures, and demotions, the father had a party planned, a kiss, a robe, a ring, a fatted calf, ready for his son to come home. Where is home for you? Is it a street address or a place in your heart? Is it a building or is it in a memory? Thomas Wolfe's book, You Can't Go Home Again, the chief character tried to go back home after writing a novel based loosely on the characters of his hometown, and they were not too pleased with his description of them. He wrote, you can't go back home to your family, back home to your childhood, back home to a young man's dream of glory and of fame, back home to places in the country, back home to the old forms and systems of things, which once seemed everlasting, but which are changing all the time. You can't go back home to the escapes of time and memory. Was Wolf right? Maybe, maybe not. But there's one home where you're always welcome. You can always come back home to God. Your heavenly Father waits for you. Why not come home? It's been long enough. The elder brother is the elder brother. Maybe he's changed, maybe not. But there's one thing you can count on. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner repenting than 99 elder brothers who never left home. God awaits you. How do you start? Well, the opening words of the Bible provide the clue. In the beginning, God. Start with God. Always start with him. Do you remember the story in the Bible when David had the affair with Bathsheba? It was sort of a triple treachery. First, the affair. Second, he effectively had Uriah, her husband, murdered. And third, they just tried to cover it up. But a prophet named Nathan came to David. 
and told him, you may have fooled everybody else, but you did not fool God. God saw it. The prophet's name was Nathan, meaning a gift of God. Anyone who points you back to God is a gift straight from heaven. Anything that points you back home is a gracious gift from the Lord himself. God forgave David that day. David said, I have sinned. And in the next breath, Nathan said, and the Lord has forgiven you. It's still amazing grace. But David did not feel forgiven. And for that sense of unworthiness and shame, he wrote the 51st Psalm, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why not come home? I believe that time is of the essence. Now is the day of salvation. Now is high time to awaken out of slumber. You can't bank on a more convenient season. You can't look to tomorrow. Why not come home? I believe the Lord is moving on people's heart. Yet as I speak and as you listen to this devotion, for them to come home to the Father's house. They've been away far too long. It's time. It's time to come home. Perhaps there's someone in your family that's drifted away. Maybe it's you. This is your day to return home to the Father's house. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. The book on prayer is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.